What is going on, everybody? This is Gino Spirito back with episode 16 of the Gino Spirito podcast. I hope you all are having a great Friday, another end to the week. Uh, today is February 5th. Um, I hope, like I said, I hope you guys all had a uh, great, productive week. I know um, for me, I am definitely back in the full, full swing of things with school. Um, you know, I, I've... Um, come to the conclusion, like I've said before, that uh, this semester is definitely not going to be a joke, and I'm going to have to uh, kick it into full gear, but I, I'm not too um, concerned with that, um, but besides that, everything else is, is uh, pretty good, um, you know, every everything else is still pretty, pretty consistent, um, you know, it, it's still, um, there's still a lot of uncertainties, with um you know where the world is going to be uh, headed but i think for at least the near future um things are things are looking up i'm um you know kind of concerned with the super bowl coming up um with how that may impact uh you know how some of the things have been getting a lot better in the world excuse me but i think what i'm coming to the conclusion of personally is there's always going to be um, a possibility that, um, you know, there, there's always going to be something. You know, if it's not the Super Bowl, it's going to be Easter. If it's not Easter, it's going to be Christmas. If it's not Christmas, it's going to be Thanksgiving. If it's not Thanksgiving, you know, it's it's going to be a birthday party. There's going to continuously be things that, you know, will possibly be, be bid spreaders, uh, you know, bid uh, reason, you know, more reasons to... Um, want to conjugate with other people and um you know i think at the end of the day we all have to just come together uh and realize that we are so close and you know i feel like there have been a lot of false narratives over the past 10 months about what so close is um but as you can see we you know we, we have almost now two vaccines that are gonna you know one vaccine that has been passed another one that is in the process of almost being passed and um you know everything is truly looking up um in regards to uh you know just getting back to normal life so i feel like if if we all can come together and kind of just uh fight this you know last little wave and hopefully get over the you know that hump i i think that everything will be looking looking up from there but you know, like I said, I hope you all had a great week. I hope you guys are all going to have a um, great uh, Super Bowl weekend. Um, just please stay safe. Um, you know, like I said, we're almost there. We're, we're still fighting. I know it's, you know, we still have some time to go, but, you know, it is it is uh, the right thing to do to be staying safe at this time. Um, but, yeah, let's, let's get into it. Um, first things first, I wanted to give a huge shout-out to – my quarterback one, Justin Herbert, for being the, for being named the Pepsi Rookie of the Year. Um, he actually posted on his Instagram that he's honored to be named the 2020 Pepsi Zero Sugar NFL Rookie of the Year. This one is for you, Bolt fam. Um, I am. I think the main reason I'm I'm uh, I like this is because uh, the Pepsi Rookie of the Year, unlike the NFL honors that will be tomorrow. Um, is voted for the fans, voted by the fans. And, um, you know, I, I think that that, you know, maybe isn't as, 
I don't know, maybe doesn't have as much significance if it's not coming from your NFL peers or people that work in the industry. But at the same time, you know, the Chargers have been continuously um, just kind of hated on and dragged through social for not having any fans and, uh, you know, struggling to put people in the stadium. Obviously, this year wasn't um, the case because there literally could not be any fans in the stadium. Um, but the fact that regardless of any of that, Justin Herbert was still able to win this award that was voted by, you know, the people, the fans, uh, it says that, you know, regardless of, um, you know, how many fans we have out there, um, you know, the people see what Justin Herbert is and, uh, what he's made of and, you know, the, the type of, uh, quality quarterback we have, um, that is just interesting. So, uh, yeah, I mean. I'm really looking forward to seeing what, uh, you know, this next year can bring. But it's definitely um, a great feeling that, uh, you know, like I said, he was voted that by the fans. Um, he's the first Charger to win this award since Keenan Allen back in 2013, where he he um, had a 1,046 yards, um, 71 receptions, and eight touchdowns for his rookie season. Um but nevertheless, it's always great to see some uh, love for the Chargers. Um, but um, moving on, it seems like the trade rumors for Deshaun Watson continuously are uh, heating up um, as uh, the, the new possible destination that is being uh, lured by uh, some of the Broncos players uh, has been Denver as uh, Jerry Dr Judy actually came out to say today and said it would be exciting to have Deshaun Watson. You know, he's a great quarterback and, you know, we're looking forward to his decision. Um, you have the defensive back Kareem Jackson saying that Deshaun Watson has reached out to him and said that he does have interest playing in Denver. Um but, uh, you know, with that, I, I feel as if the top three destinations for Deshaun Watson at the moment um, is the Jets, the Broncos, and the Dolphins. I feel like uh, these could easily change, but I feel like these three teams have been, um, you know, the discussed the most um, when it comes to, um, you know, where Deshaun Watson uh, could possibly land. Um, I feel like uh, these three top destinations, uh, the Jets, Broncos, and Dolphins, will definitely be upgrading their quarterback position. If so, I mean, Drew Locke this year, uh, he had 13 games started, which he was 4-9 and nine in, and he only threw for 2,933 yards. That came with 16 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. Um, uh, Tua, for the Dolphins, he only started nine games, and he only threw for 1,814 yards, 11 touchdowns, and five interceptions. And then you have Sam Darnold, who started um, 12 games, and he went 2-10, and 10, and he threw for 2,208 yards, nine touchdowns, and 11 interceptions. Um, you know, when you compare all these three numbers to Deshaun Watson, obviously they the Tetsons went 4-12, and 12, but, you know, you could anybody that watched a Tetsons game this year saw Deshaun Watson was their best player and was not the reason they were four and twelve. Um, but I mean, he threw for four thousand eight hundred and twenty-three yards, thirty-three touchdowns, and seven interceptions. So drastic, uh, you know, changes if these organizations were to make the move, um, you know, in a good way. So um, 
I, I am really interested to see where he ends up. As a Chargers fan, I really hope he doesn't end up in Denver. Um, it was already tough enough having to watch him come back excuse me, on us uh, last year um, when we were playing in the soccer stadium still and uh, just completely annihilate us in that second half. Um, you know, I, this, this man's a great player. We already see Patrick Mahomes twice a year. Um, so I would not want to see Deshaun Watson twice and, you know, have four games a year up for that. I mean, I have all the faith in uh, the Chargers and, um, you know, Justin Herbert at the helm. But, you know, that's just, you know, that's tough. That's very tough. But it, it, like I said, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Um, I'm excited for him. I, I think Deshaun Watson, like I've said so many times, is a top five quarterback in the league. Um, and he deserves to be happy where he's playing. He deserves to, um, you know, lead the organization that uh, is giving him the respect that he deserves because he is that next generational talent uh, that uh, can request that that much demand. So it, it'll definitely be interesting to see where uh, he ends up. And, of course, um, as I said, this week, um, if you uh, have been living under a rock, you probably – are the only person that does not know that uh, this Sunday is the Super Bowl. And we have uh, Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes um, playing against each other. Obviously, their quarterback matchup um, for the 2020 stats, uh, including the postseason, is uh, pretty similar. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes kind of has the edge as his completion percentage was 67.1. He threw for 5,300 yards, 42 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Uh, Tom Brady for the year, 64% completion percentage, 5,400 yards, 47 touchdowns, and just 15 interceptions. So Tom Brady um, having the edge in yards and touchdowns, but uh, seven, no, nine more interceptions and 3% less on the completion percentage. Um, like I said, this is going to be a battle for the ages. I, um, I'm so so excited to watch this game um you know the chiefs are uh, coming into the game at 16 and 2 on the season the buccaneers at 14 and 5 um the chiefs beat obviously beat the bills in the AFC championship game uh 38 to 24 in a game that was just out of hand um towards the end of the game and then uh, the buccaneers are coming off a great showing against the packers where they pretty much dominated that game um, I'd say, you know, they, they obviously only won 31 to 26, but they were, uh, in control of that game. I would say the majority of the game and it was really on the pressure was on the Packers the entire time to make a play. Uh, the Buccaneers were really disabled to stick to their script and kind of, uh, play off of that. So, uh, both teams are playing at a great level. Obviously this, um, same matchup happened in Tampa, uh, week 12 where the chiefs were able to win this, win it. Uh, 27 to 24. Uh, this is the same game that uh, we saw Tyreek Hill have eight receptions and 203 yards, two touchdowns in only the first quarter. Um, Mahomes ended up uh, throwing for 462 yards and three touchdowns on the day. Um, but the Buccaneers are definitely a different team since that Week 12 matchup. I mean, they've won seven straight. They have not lost since that game. Uh, they are now the first team to ever be playing a home game in the Super Bowl, and that comes after having to win three straight games on the road. So you know that this team is very, very happy to be uh, playing at home in front of about 22,000 fans or spectators, but, you know, 
the fact that they're having a home game, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Buccaneer fans. I mean, of course, I would not be surprised if there are Chiefs people there um, due to the fact that they're just the team to root for and like at the moment. So, um, you know, I think the difference between these two teams, though, and uh, I mean, I'd say 90% of the NFL is the fact that these defenses have the utmost confidence in both of their quarterbacks for obvious reasons. You know, you have, if you're a defense and say, you know, you get behind 17 nothing, 20 nothing, um, and you know you have Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the ball, you know you have Tom Brady on the other side of the ball, that gives you that extra incentive to keep fighting, not give up. You know, we've seen so many times um, in the past few years, this Chiefs team fall behind pretty early and boom, they come off with a victory. They come. Um, and they, they score 21 unanswered, 24 unanswered, and the other team is just completely lost after that. I mean, you saw that in the AFC Championship game. The Bills dead up 10 nothing, and it was kind of a game over after that. Um, and that is literally the Patrick Mahomes effect, you know? Like, as much as the defense uh, is playing with their with their uh, feedback, it's boom, Patrick Mahomes makes a couple plays, then the pressure gets put on the other team. The defense can still be running their own stuff. They don't need to... Uh, switch up their schemes that much um you know nothing crazy at least uh they're they're able to uh, stick to what they know they're able to send more pressure in my opinion because of that um but yeah i think that's definitely what uh separates uh these two teams from you know the other teams that aren't playing in the super bowl this year and i i really just i can't see this game going uh the way it did in week 12 uh when Tyreek Hill just completely murdered this Buccaneers defense um but you know we'll we'll see um I I really think it's gonna be a dog fight a high scoring game um but at the same time I I could see both these defense planes at a high level you know I I think the reason why I, I I'm expecting it to be a high game is you know you just can't Eventually, Patrick Mahomes is in a score. Eventually, Tom Brady's in a score, especially with all these weapons on the offensive side for both teams, really. You know, I, I think this these are the two most stat teams in the NFL. And, um, you know, there's a reason there's a reason why both teams truly believe at every single moment of a game that they're going to win. You know, I think it's going to come down to not, you know, who plays better. Um, I don't know. I think if if you if it it's really going to come down to you know those total possessions uh you know who is going to have uh the control you know who's going to be able to control the ball better um you know we have seen time and time again where teams are able to go like two for two for one and score before the half get the ball back and score again i could see that playing a huge factor for whoever uh, is able to defer or get the second half tick off if they're able to score and then um, you know, score right after the half again, but, um, I really just cannot see this being a blowout, especially with Tampa Bay playing at home, winning seven straight, like I said, playing at the level that they've been playing at, and, you know, you can just never count out the Chiefs, and I think that's exactly why I'm gonna go with the Chiefs in this one, unfortunately, um, and I think I'm going to, uh, pit them 33 to 31, uh, at the same time, though, I, I, Will not be surprised if Tom Brady ends up pulling this out. I am rooting for Tom Brady, if you want me to be completely honest. Um, surprisingly, but I, you know, 
can't have any bias in what I think will happen. So I'm going to take the Chiefs 33-31, which will be a great Super Bowl. Um, of course, you cannot talk about the Super Bowl without talking about, um, you know, the halftime show and the weekend as um, some weekend news. Uh, obviously, he um, just announced that he postponed the After Hours tour uh, yet again, which is unfortunate. But this uh, new tour starts January 14th um, in Vancouver. Um, this will be in 2022. Um, you know, I'm not too surprised that um, he ended up having to postpone this yet again. But I think it is for the best. Um, you know, it, this the second I think the second time he postponed it, it was supposed to start in August. And, you know, it, like I said the, before, it, there's still so many uncertainties uh, with just this year in general. So I think this is the smart move by him. Um, this this uh, tour is actually 64 shows in the U.S. and 41 in Europe, which makes it about 105 total shows. So this man is going to, um, you know, be going on a world tour. I know he's talked about releasing music again uh, before going back on tour. So maybe that played a factor in moving it back as well. But it is still the After Hours tour. And I really think that the Super Bowl performance by him um, will be the deciding factor for some of those people that are still on the fence whether or not they want to um whether or not they want to buy tickets i think that you all who you know don't know the weekend or haven't really listened to his music i i think you are in for a treat i think he's you know gonna put on a show um i think the hype is already um shown as shown so much as um the weekend actually did release his uh, greatest hits album, The Highlights, uh, last night, and it instantly became the most streamed album of all time on a Spotify release, as all of its tracks already have 12 billion total streams. Um, a lot of people think that this will inevitably, inevitably be his. Um, set list for the Super Bowl, but I don't necessarily think he's going to be able to perform 18 songs in that 15 to 20 minute span of his performance, but I think some of these on here, um, he is going to have to perform, I think, um, Can't Feel My Face, uh, he's going to have to, I think, uh, Blinding Lights, obviously, that's been the number one song all year, and still is, um, I think those two, I think The Hills will definitely be performed. Um, and I think, uh, probably call out my name, um, even, even Starboy. I mean, there's just so many, I, I think somebody that knows The weekend or doesn't really, uh, you know, doesn't really, uh, you know, listen to him the way that some of these, some of uh, his fans do, or, you know, people that have been following him, I think they're going to be very genuinely surprised when this man is performing, on at the halftime show and they they realize how many uh songs they actually know by the weekend as uh this man is definitely the modern day Michael Jackson as um every album has been hits after hits and there's been so many songs over the years that has just been charting and I, I just have no doubt that this man is going to put on the cinematic experience that he has said he is going to um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see the After Hours character in full effect. I know he spoke on it this past week, 
um, you know, asked about why it's been increasingly damaged, I mean, increasingly bandaged um, with an entire head bandage at the AMAs, as they saw. And now um, in the newest music video for Savior Tear, it's uh, as he as he went through uh, placid surgery. Um, and he was asked about um, what that means, and he says the significance of the entire head bandages is reflecting the absurd culture of the Hollywood celebrity and people manipulating themselves for superficial reasons to please and be validated. Um, I think that alone shows that The weekend and his music means so much more to, you can just tell that, you know, it means so much more to him than a lot of these artists that you know, just making music to make music or just trying to make money. I think The weekend is in this game and he creates these personas, these characters that symbolize so much more than um, just what you see on the outside. You have to really think and, and dive deeper into them and you realize that he's trying to sh send a message and uh, show uh, what he, or how he's feeling about the industry or, you know, just some people um, – that are in it, so I think I thought that was really cool. I, I think this after hours persona has been one of his best that he's that he's had, um, and I, I'm really excited to see what he, it's all about on Super Bowl weekend. I mean, it's it's the biggest stage for any artist, and um, I have no doubt that the weekend is going to just kill it. I mean, everybody's gonna everybody's gonna put on notice, and I, I'm I just have no other words for it. Um, in other music news, uh, Travis Strott's Astral World actually became his most streamed album on Spotify as it surpassed 5 billion streams. It's been two years since um, Astral World has came out and uh, Travis Strott shot the world with it. Um, this, this album is still on repeat for me and my friends. I know that and I think um, that this uh, album build up to Utopia will be interesting. I know Travis Strott loves to rage. I know... Um, performing is a big deal for him and his music and the impact that or the influence on some of the songs that he makes has to do with how it'll be performed so I'm very interested to see how this album rollout for Utopia goes I don't know if he's going to continue to wait until we get a more clear answer as to when concerts are able to resume and you know we're able to kind of slowly go back into normal life or if he's gonna, you know, push it. I know he still has the Strats in the in the vault with Kid Cudi, um, and I'm interested to see, you know, is he gonna re release the Strats first and then go into Utopia, or is he, are we gonna get Utopia first and we're still gonna have to wait a little bit for the Strats? Um, but yeah, it should be interesting. Congrats to Travis for um, getting this achievement for Astral World. Um, I think that. Uh, Utopia is going to just be that much bigger and better. Travis Scott is, you know, on top of his music. He He's just created himself as a household name through all these brand deals that he's done. And I think his his name is truly, truly, truly on the map. And every single person and their mob is going to be listening to Utopia when it drops. So I think um, I have no doubt that he will, when it's ready, when it's complete, and when he knows uh, that'll be when we get it. So let's just continue to be patient and let's just be excited that this van is going to finally drop. And speaking of dropping, Isaiah Rashad has actually confirmed that his album is complete. And the only thing that is in his way is sample clearance at this point. Um, you know, I've been talking about Isaiah Rashad for a minute now on this podcast. And I hope that with this news, I hope you all 
give this man a listen. Listen to Sylvia demo. Listen to the Sun's tirade. I am telling you, you will not regret it. Um, because when this man drops his album and it's going to be big, I have no doubt at all that he is going to pick it back up onto another level. Um, unfortunately, you know, it has been about five years since he's released the Sun's tirade. Uh, it's coming on five years this year. Um, and, uh, you know, he hasn't really been able to put his name on the map, but I, I feel like he, he's, he went, uh, he had to, he had to deal with some real life stuff and, you know, we gotta, we gotta respect that from artists. You know, we, we have to respect the fact that, you know, these, these are human beings at the end of the day, you know, if, if they're going through some stuff and they don't feel like they can put on music, why or you know, what, who's to say like, we're allowed to get mad or upset at them for that being the case, you know, like what if we were in their shoes and we were struggling mentally, we were uh, going through a lot with um, baby mama drama or um, family issues or uh, drug use, you know, you never know what somebody's going through unless you truly know them and you've been able to uh, be in the situations where they open up to you or, you know, you know, just being them. So how is it fair um, for them to do, you know, for us to just kind of judge and force them to release the music. I think we should just enjoy uh, the platform that they have and they're giving to us and just call it a day after that. Um, you know, just hope that we get their music soon. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for uh, this man to drop. Um, other albums that are actually turning uh, five this year, which are uh, pretty crazy to think about. Blonde by Frank Ocean. I mean, are you kidding me? This... The epitome of my junior year, senior year, end of high school vibes. Uh, man, oh man, this this album was amazing. I think it speaks volumes for, uh, you know, what Frank, his potential is, number one, and the potential that uh, most artists could never reach. And I think he, he reached out in Blonde. Um, I cannot believe it's going to be turning five this year. Uh, Views by Drake, another... Um, classic uh, birds from Travis Starboy, the life of Pablo, for your eyes only, Savage Mode One, uh, Asa Rocky and ASAP Mobs, Cozy Tapes, uh, Volume One, Malibu by Anderson Pot, uh, Coloring Book, uh, Untitled Unmastered, uh, Stream Life Two, The Sun Starade, as I already mentioned, um, Blame Face by Schoolboy. Um, you know, there, there is just so, so many albums that are turning five years old this year. And I, I think when I look at these, it's, it just, it's crazy. You know, I, I feel like, um, this is my whole entire junior year right here. And, um, I think, uh, this year for, uh, 2021 has the potential to definitely, uh, reach that same level that 2016 was on. I think most people, when they think of, the best um, year for music when they've been alive, they always go back to 2016. And I mean, for obvious reasons, as I just mentioned, um, some of these albums that are turning five. And I think um, it's only a matter of time until we get another year like that. And I, I think 2021 is uh, shaping out to be that year. So I'm, I'm very excited. Some baseball news today. If, um, you know, you are into baseball. I'm sure you've already heard this, but uh, Trevor Bauer, the uh, Cincinnati Reds C- Cy Young winner of this past year, um, who 
actually um, held opposing hitters this past year to a .159 batting average, um, is signing a three-year deal worth $102 million guaranteed um, with the Dodgers, unfortunately. Um, pains me to say it, but that means he will be making $40 million in 2021, $45 million in 2022, and about $17 million if he stays in his third year. Um, he has the option to opt out after each year, but I could see him you know, taking these first and second year deals as he will be the highest paid player in baseball um, for both of those years if he decides to stay both of those years and then probably opting out for that third year unless he's hurt and need, or you know nobody else is going to give him $17 million, which is probably unlikely. Um, but uh, as I said, he did hold batting a batting average of uh, .159 last year, uh, two opposing hitters, and Dodgers starters last year ranked second in that department at a .219. So you add Trevor Bauer into the midst of uh, Walker Buehler, uh, Trevor, I mean, not Trevor, uh, Clayton Kershaw, David Price, and of course the young gun Julio Arreyes. You know, it, it pains me to say this as a Padres fan, but this, I mean, was a tremendous pickup by the Dodgers. Of course, they have so many weapons. Um, and it just seems like unlimited cap space. So um, this definitely um, should be interesting to plan out. I mean, this is uh, a great rotation from the Dodgers, and I'm I'm super excited for baseball. It makes you know makes me that much more excited to uh, be a Padres fan. You know, you want to you want to play the best. At the end of the day, you want to beat the best. And now we're we're having the opportunity to have the um, reigning champs in our division in our. And we'll, we'll probably have to face them if we want to get to the World Series again. You know, if, if I'm assuming that, um, you know, the whoever wins our division will be the one seed in baseball, if you want me to be honest. And whoever gets second will be that wild card. And I think that'll be the first uh, matchup in the NLDS. Or I don't know how they're going to, if they're going to do a wild card the way they did it this past year. A crazy wild card, super wild card. Um, but... I think that this matchup, this Padre-Dodger matchup, will happen in the playoffs in the postseason. Um, and like I said, you want to beat the best if you want to be the best. So I'm very excited for it. Um, in some NBA news, the Lakers actually got a win last night, 114-93 uh, over the Nuggets, to improve to 17-6. Uh, and six. It wasn't the uh, best and ideal start that the Lakers wanted, as they were down by 12 at the half, but the defense picked up. Um, in the second, only allowing 35 points in that second half. And to put that into perspective, uh, the Nuggets actually scored 30 in the first. So allowing 35 points in the second half was definitely a big deal. Um, LeBron James had some some great, passed some great milestones this game as he has now um, scored 25 plus points, 25 plus in 63% of his games. Um, as he now has 800 games with 25 points. Um, that's the uh, most in NBA history. Um, as he did finish the night uh, with 27, 10, and 10, he did finish with a triple-double. Um, the second uh, highest scorer in this game was um, Dennis Schroeder, who finished with uh, 21, four assists, and two rebounds. Um, like I said, it was, it was definitely a, the defensive effort and defensive efficiency that picked up on the second half, and you could clearly see why the Lakers are first in all those departments this year. I mean, hustle stats alone, Dennis Schroeder had a great uh, two-dive play, and 
this this Lakers defense, um, I don't know what was sold to them at halftime, allowing 58 points and everything. But, I mean, I'm sure it was just the players collectively could um, just started holding themselves to a higher standard. And uh, you saw that in the second half. Um, but uh, we do take on the Pistons tomorrow night and uh, hopefully can get revenge from that uh, January 28th loss, uh, 107-92. to 92. Um, I have no doubt we can. Um, but, yeah, and other – Lakers news, uh, Jared Dudley actually released his uh, latest book on the Inside the NBA bubble. And some comments that have come out that have been controversial were um, the ones about him and uh, were about uh, the Lakers thoughts and perceptions on the Clippers and Paul George, especially as, you know, he thought he said that uh, we they thought it was disrespectful for Paul George, who hasn't won an NBA title to put himself on the level of LeBron and AD. And that was the, one of the things that motivated us. Um, we heard some of those guys talking about how if how they're the team to beat in L.A. And, um, you know, it's it's fine that uh, he said that it's fine if Kawhi says stuff like that as he was defending a championship. Um, but, um, you know, somebody like Pat Bev talking trash isn't the uh, main concern for them. It was it was uh, definitely the way that Paul George was um, putting himself on that level of LeBron and A.D. when he hasn't won. Um, and Paul George did respond to this, and he said, God bless you, Jared Dudley. I don't know what, what it is. This dude is throwing my name and stuff. Um, I think, you know, he was throwing his name in when it didn't necessarily have to be, but I think Jared Dudley was definitely just telling the truth, telling how that Lakers organization felt. I think he wasn't being disrespectful by any means. Paul George has not won an NBA championship um, and Kawhi Leonard was defending the championship. I don't, you know, there has been, uh, Paul George hasn't even been to an NBA finals yet, you know, and I think that's, you know, Jared Dudley was telling the truth. He was speaking what he felt, you know, he, uh, that's just one of the things that was motivating the Lakers in this bubble. And for obvious reasons, you know, you, you never want to feel disrespected as uh, a person, a player, anything. And I'm sure that motivated the Lakers. And unfortunately, they didn't get an opportunity to uh, play them in the Western Conference Finals because they decided to choke. But uh, that's another story. So I, I don't really think Jared Dudley was stepping out of line or um, really even trying to start anything. I don't think he was trying to say this to put some fuel on the fire. I think he was really just telling it how it was. Um, you know, how are you the team to beat in L.A.? Uh, when you guys haven't won a championship, you haven't even been to a Western Conference Finals. You know, if, if Kawhi wants to say he's the best player in the world or he feels that way, like, all right, like he just won a championship, you know, like we can't say anything to that. But if you want to put yourself on that level, you got to, you know, you got to let, let, let your game talk. So I think this year, um, you know, we can hope to see a, a, a Lakers a Clippers matchup in the Western Conference semis or the Western Conference Finals. Um, but uh, for now, I, I think that, uh, you know, we can we can definitely um, do whatever um, and say whatever because we are the defending champions and we're, we're just going to say our truth. So I, I, I have no problem with this. Um, and on the East, though, we have uh, Philadelphia. The Philadelphia 76ers are actually uh, starting this year. They've started 16-7 and seven in the first in the East. They're actually 12-0 with their usual starting five, which is uh, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, who's had to miss sometimes, uh, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid. I think the Sitzers right now um, definitely 
uh, are the team to be in the East. Um, I could easily see them coming out of um, of this East that is just kind of hard to tell sometimes. You know, you have Boston in that midst. You have the Butts in that midst. You have Miami if they're healthy. I know they're starting the year on a, on a bad note, but, you know, I think once everybody's healthy, everything will be changing. But, you know, they are first in the East. They, they are 16-7 and seven at the moment. 12-0 and 0 with these starters as well. I think that speaks volumes. I think, um, you know, trust the process is finally working for them. And I think that this culture in, in Philadelphia is definitely uh, changing. And I, I would not be surprised at all if they do come out of the East. I think this is uh, great for that city. And I think it will be interesting to see if uh, everybody can stay healthy and um, they can make a run in this playoffs. Um, also, um, Bradley Beal um, started this. Uh, what's it called? Bradley Beal. I'm sorry about that. This year has now um, started the season with uh, 20, 17, 25 plus points. And the reason why this uh, has some meaning is because the only other players to do this um, for the most consecutive times is Michael Jordan and Allen Iverson. As Michael Jordan did it 16 times and then 13 times, and then Allen Iverson did it 11. So Bradley Beal actually broke the um, most uh, games started with 25 plus points per game in a season. Um, as I mentioned before, he did come out and say that he wants to stay in Washington. He wants to figure stuff out. He wants to try to um, make it work and make them a contender. I, I, I don't know if he's just trying to say the right thing um, and not try to start anything, but who knows? You know, Maybe he does really like Washington. Maybe he really wants to stay there um, and build a championship team. You know, There's nothing wrong with that, um, but I think that man deserves more. I think that uh, uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see um, what happens, especially with the trade deadline approaching, but, you know, shout out to Bradley Beal. That's, that's remarkable. You know, breaking my, anything that Michael Jordan has a record of is, you know, great in its own way. And I, I just, uh, I think there's a reason as to why he is leading, um, all of the Eastern conference guards in all-star voting. You know, this man's been on a tear. I know that the, uh, Washington wizards record doesn't really speak for that, but, you know, this man has been playing out of his mind uh, as he is um, beating out Kyrie, James Harden. You know, you have Jalen Brown in there. You have Trey Young in that midst. Um, for uh, for all-star voting, I think the most surprising um, – I don't know if Ben Simmons has been hurt at all this year. I think the most surprising um, person that – uh, hasn't really been getting a lot of love in the voting terms is Ben Simmons as he's number 10 in voting for with only 117,000 as Bradley Bill has uh, 1.2 million. Um, but I think that's the most surprising uh, in terms of all-star voting for um, this year uh, in the front court for the East. Uh, it's pretty obvious, you know, Kevin Durant with 2.3 million, Giannis, Joel Embiid, top three. That's you know, who, who should be up there. I mean, you have Jason Tatum following Jimmy Butler. Uh, and then you have some, some new names. Julius Randle been playing really good for the Knits lately. Um, uh, DeMontis uh, Sabo- Sabonis, I, I, I probably said that wrong, but he's been playing really good for the Pacers this year as well. Um, you know, Gordon Hayward as well. I mean, he's having a, he's having a pretty good year for Charlotte. He's proven why he deserved that $40 million. Uh, I mean, I still think there's a little too much, but, you know, he's he's proven that he could still play and um, when he's that guy with LaMelo. Um, but in the West, uh, some some pretty obvious names. You have Steph Curry leading the guards uh, with 2.1 million votes, and you have Luka and Damian uh, Lillard following him. Um, 
the surprising one for me personally was John Morant is actually fourth in all-star voting right now. Um, he's, he's actually ahead of uh, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, uh, even Chris Paul. And um, the other surprising thing that I found on the guards is uh, at number 10 is none other than Clay Thompson. Of course, if this man was playing, he would, I mean, by far probably be in the top five of votings and deserve to be in the all-star game. But I thought it was funny that he's still a number 10 regardless of if he's, you know, towards ACL or whatever, you know, he has this year, he hasn't played a game. But in the front court for the West, we have LeBron, um, the Joker, and Kawhi in the top three. And then it's followed by Anthony Davis, Paul George, um, and uh, some new names in there as well. We got Christian Wood in number eight, Brandon Ingram, um, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Zion is at number six, and then Carmelo's at number 10. So, I mean, this NBA voting seems to be going good um you know i i still can't believe that there's gonna be an all-star game I, I talked about it on the last podcast but i think now that there have been multiple players come out and say how they find it to be stupid i can understand that as well so it should be an interesting um turn of events but um that's all i have for you guys today like i said i hope you all had a great friday i hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast i hope you all have a happy and safe super bowl um weekend i have the utmost confidence that this is going to be a great game and a great halftime performance by uh, the weekend. Um, but like I said, thank you all for tuning in. This has been Gino Spirito on the Gino Spirito podcast. And yeah, have a good one. Thank you.